In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my guardian angel, intercede for me. Lord Jesus, as we center our attention on your true presence, we ask you to help us celebrate the second most important birthday of the entire universe. The most important birthday we celebrate on December 25th, the entrance of Jesus into our world. God being born as a man. Well, not as a man, That's that would be heresy. He was born as a, a baby, just like you and I were born. You know, can't see, mushed head, uh, kicking around, needs to be nursed, changed, asleep, eyes closed, blind. I'm not a pediatrician, but I've picked up a few things over the years. And the second most important birth, which is indispensable for the most important one, is the birth of this baby girl who will be called Mary of Nazareth. And then her title will evolve into the mother of Jesus. And ultimately, she will become queen of heaven and earth. And this feast of Mary's birthday that we celebrate today has tremendous personal connotations because Mary's prerogatives, Mary's qualities, Mary's gifts, it's all about us. The whole purpose of Mary, the whole reason for Mary is for us personally. And so we ask you, Jesus, help us penetrate this tremendous blessing that has been showered on the world, this birth of Mary, the anniversary of her birth. Any birthday is a very special celebration because every person is an unrepeatable gift. Every person is a gift that has no price tag. You can't evaluate the worth of a human person, because every human person is unique and an image of God. And so a birth of a new person is always an occasion of great celebration. And from a Christian perspective, that little child who is born is called to another birthday, And that birthday occurs in baptism when that child or that adult is reborn in Jesus Christ. And so that adds to the grandeur of a birthday that it's also a celebration of a calling to become 
a perfect human being as a man or a woman, and that is to become Christ. So a birthday is always a celebration of a gift. A person is always a gift. And that is why we respond with gifts. Because what is a gift? A gift is, uh, I'll use a theological term. Uh, I was going to say icon. That's become secularized, but the original meaning of icon is an image of Jesus or Mary. So, Or a sacramental. A sacramental means sign. So when I give somebody a gift, when you give somebody a gift, send a card, but if you give a gift, better yet. That gift, what's important about the gift is not, well, she needs that scarf, or he needs that wrench, or that golf club, you know, so I'll wait for his birthday to buy him the golf club, or I'll wait for her birthday to buy those, you know, cool, cute flip-flops, all right? But the purpose of a gift on a birthday is to be a little bit of a show-off. In what sense? I want to just show you that I care about you. And if I could come up with an original gift and within my means it's worth a little bit of a something, I'm just conveying a message. I'm leaving you a symbol of something much deeper, a symbol of what I think of you, of my love for you. And I'm giving you a gift because I see you as a gift. You didn't know that birthdays were so philosophical, did you? Let's look at this gift of Mary. We know the answer. But why is this birth of Mary the second greatest gift that God has given us? What's the greatest gift? Well, we're facing the greatest gift. God can't do better than the gift that is in front of us. It's God present in the tabernacle. Perfect God, perfect man. God can't give more than God. So that's the Eucharist is the greatest gift. It's the greatest gift because, not only because Jesus is right here, but he's rigged away so that we could have them all to ourselves. Kind of ingenious. God really thought outside the box with the Eucharist. You know, one of the perks of being God is that he could love us totally, individually, as if we were the only child. He's infinite. So there's no limit to his power and to his love. But he rigged away so that, from our perspective, we don't need tickets, we don't have to wait online. He's right there in the tabernacle. And we could have them all to ourselves. That's the greatest gift. And the gift of Mary is similar. What is this gift of the Immaculate Conception, which means she's full of grace? We could translate that into full of love. And we may say, fine, fine, really. You know, we could give God a spiritual whatever. You know, we've heard it before. The gift of Mary, this fullness of grace, is, I would, if you will, it's 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 just it's more than well. 
Oh, no stain of sin. I mean, that's a tall order. Nobody else has that prerogative. No inclination to selfishness, another gift. No pride, no anger, no sensuality, nothing. She's crystal clear, totally pure in every sense of the word. All right, that's a tall order. But what is, why does this have such a personal connotation? And you could say, well, she's our mother. Yes, but there's more to it than even that. That this special grace has empowered Mary to love us personally. She's got that power, grace, to be our mother in every sense of the word, because the fullness of manly love is fatherhood, whether you have a natural family or not. I don't have, I haven't formed a natural family, but I'm called father. And on Father's Day, a lot of people wish me a happy Father's Day. All right? So, and because the nature of trying to follow Christ is, you know, loving as a father. And it helps to have a heart of a mother, even being a man. I mean, if it's good enough for God the Father, it's good enough for us types. Isaiah says God has the heart of a father and a mother. And the perfection of womanly love, whether you start a natural family or not, whether you have children or not, is motherly love. That's the highest demonstration of womanly love, is motherly love. And... It doesn't just depend on whether you have a natural family. That's the heart of a woman. The heart of a man is the heart of a father, with the heart of a mother as well, and vice versa. And the teachings of the church is that, and let's see, let's bring it to a practical level, that Mary's sanctity is way above everybody else's sanctity. Nobody comes close. I mean, you're pretty wowed by Francis of Assisi, you know, kissing lepers and washing them and hugging them. Well, no comparison with Mary. Or another icon of love, Mother Teresa, scooping people out of gutters covered with filth, and she did it for half a century, whatever it was. No comparison with the sanctity of Mary. Well, it doesn't fit. What, is, what does all that mean? All these... Great standards of reference, these canonized saints that the church has recognized, and they can't get close to Mary in her sight. When she said hello, you know, when you were behind her in the Jewish 2,000 year old version of the Walgreens, and you're, you know, you're standing behind her with your, you know, your toothpaste and shampoo. And she has a comb and some thank you cards or whatever. When she says hi to you or how's it going or it's a nice day or are you going to notice that? Is that going to really wow you for the rest of your life? Because the fullness of womanly love has said hello to you? I would say not. I think you would be and I would be attracted by her kindness and her joy, but I don't think it would you know, leave a deep mark in our psyche if it was just a quick exchange. We'd be impressed. I'm a very nice person. Wow. So friendly, so joyful. But what puts her on that special level is that there's no limits with what God could do. He literally has given her blessings he's given nobody else. And it's all about you. And it's all about me.
that she could, she could, she gets into our personal lives as deep as deep can be. And she loves us as the perfect mother. The only hitch is I have to let her help me. I need to, I need to exercise. I, I, I have to deal with her through the medium of faith where our own natural parents are stuck with us. Okay. But she's there. She's with us. But in order to engage her, I need to speak to her. And that's why throughout the history of the church, Mary has appeared and said, will you please say the rosary so I can help you? Can you please let me help you? I'm, I'm dying to help. And, you know, on the 13th of uh, October, it's the 100th anniversary of that special apparition in Fatima, and there'll be a huge celebration in Fatima. So if you're going to go to Fatima, I'd say go before to avoid the crowds. But I think there's crowds all year long. And what does Mary do? Well, she appears to these little three kids. And she's really a mom to those little kids. And what does she say? Well, engage me in the rosary and get other people to pray the rosary so that I could work some miracles, so I could be your mom. I was with a mom. She asked me to um, administer the sacraments to her handicapped little girl, 10 years old, 8 years old. And she's, mom, you know, won't make the headlines. In my book, she would, but, you know. And her attention, her heart, is completely focused on that little girl. And just hypothetically, maybe it's reality, but let's say hypothetically, well, you must really be focused on your son who is a senior in high school and he's poised to become an all-state running back. He must be your real focus because... He's such a known quantity, and last year he was in the sports section of the newspaper. And, pro and I would be more, I'd put my life on it. No, my focus is not on my dean's list, all-state running back son. It's on that little girl who needs my help. That's my focus. That's my attention. Now, of course, I love my son, and I pay attention to him, but nothing like this kid. And I've seen that in good moms. When there is a little bit of a handicap or a big handicap in their child, no, it's not the star kid. It's that child in need. And that's where the mother, those motherly qualities given by God really come out. And I'm always impressed. I'm even impressed. I was, and it reminded me of Mary. I'm not sentimental nor, nor, nor very poetic, but I was, you know, had a little bit of a lull in the action of my confessions in one of the parishes. And there was, and the door was a great, had holes in the door. Not, it wasn't a defective door. It was kind of a, a funky door. It was a, had gratings, you know, much to the chagrin of my penitents because they, they don't want to be seen. But this lady was there, and she wasn't waiting online. I guess she was waiting online, but she was in one of the pews. So I can't see the people online, but I could see the people in the pews. And she kneels down. She has the baby in her arms, and she's. Uh, you know, looking at the tabernacle and there's a cross and there's an image of Mary and she's surveying all these religious images. And intermittently, she looks at the baby and kisses him or her, couldn't tell. And uh, really, she's probably one years old or something. I know, I sound like a typical guy. Um, and she's hugging the little guy and kissing him and then, put, and then looking at the tabernacle. 
and you know, just intermittently. And then my penitence came, and so that was the end of that. And I'm sure she reflected the Blessed Virgin Mary. You could see that the connection of this woman's love for the child, which is mother, she loved the child, which is mom, but that love was enhanced as she was looking at that tabernacle. Mary loves us in her son. Mary loves us because she was at the foot of the cross and she saw what a high price she paid and her son paid to have his back, to make us children of God. And in this tough, this dark hour, from a certain perspective, when everybody abandoned Jesus, where his kingdom seemed to, be, to come to a grinding halt, where uh, the only only thing he had to show for himself as he started to, as the redemption culminated was his mom, a young teenage boy who was dragged along by Mary, called St. John, and a converted prostitute. Those were the people there. And Jesus says, he waits, his timing's perfect, he could have done it before. He says, here's your gift. And he looks at John, and we're represented by John. That's your mother. Now that I've redeemed the world, now that this work of redemption has culminated, now he's, she's your mother in every sense of the word because now you are, because of my redemption, you have been born through me. You are now a son of God. You're now a daughter of God. And I'm your mother. We use some meditational prayer of St. Jose Maria. We try to make it our own. To Jesus we always go, and to him we always return through Mary. And one of the teachings comes off as a soundbite, but there's deep theology here. And it's a teaching that I don't think I'll ever forget. And there's a Spanish word for it that uh, the Spanish word is, I hope it is, um, I don't get much practice. Atajo, which means shortcut. She's a shortcut to Jesus. And look at the contemporary saints. They dealt with Mary, and Mary made them saints through her intercession, through her motherly intercession. And I remember Blessed Alvaro. If you ask me, well, okay, you, you were lucky enough to see a blessed. Uh, what was a, the blessed like? Well, what I can tell you is, and I think I could speak for everybody, those hundreds of men preparing for the priesthood who had contact with Morally certain, they'd say the same thing. Mary was a prominent feature in his spiritual life. He was very natural. He was clamoring to her. He had a wholly vested interest. He had a lot of big intentions he wanted. And he wanted everybody to understand that she was shortcut. And I guess it's a Spanish word. But if there's a Spanish word I won't forget, it's that. Because I got... Well, if I said I was embarrassed, I think I was too young to get too embarrassed. But he, in the middle of a gathering, group of people, packed with people, he said in Spanish that she was the shortcut. And then he looked at me and said, uh-oh, he may not get this. It's important that that guy gets, gets this. So he, he stopped his talk. He said, Do you, can someone... My feelings should have been hurt because, you know, by that time I should have understood Spanish. But he didn't ask me if I understood. He said, someone please translate for him. And so someone from the other side of the room, you know, everybody was packed on the floor. It was kind of like a little bit of a football run in slow motion. 
gaps had to open up for this guy to approach me. It's shortcut. <laughs> I go, thank you. <laughs> and Blessed Alvaro says, do you understand? I said, see. Si. You sure? See. Si. <laughs> okay, let's continue. So it's providential. Why is she that gift? We keep asking that rhetorical question. And we can't look at her from our own cultural perspective, not judging anybody. But when you think of, okay, she's that perfect woman. All right, she's writing books. Uh, she's on a talk show every day. I mean, these are good things, but, you know, that's the first thing you... Uh, she has a tr personal trainer. She runs three marathons a year. Um, she's a crackerjack cook. She specializes in Japanese cuisine. She also is raising three kids at the same time. All sorts of, I mean, she's one of these uh, superstars. Was Marion a great speaker? I have no idea. Would she, if she were living in, in the 20th century or 21st century, uh, would she be homecoming queen? No idea. But it's irrelevant. Who says it? The Holy Spirit says it's irrelevant, what, you know, those kind of qualities. Because they, they, they mean so little in comparison to this most excellent virtue, this most excellent talent. That's why she's queen of heaven and earth. And here it goes. And this is tailor-made, you know, there's a little bit of American chauvinism here. I always interpret scripture as if Jesus were only talking to us, you know, as if no other nationality existed. But anyway, um, I think I have a point. If I speak in tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. Now, why did Jesus say that? Oh, he, Jesus didn't say that. St. Paul is writing this. Because Comparable to playing in the NFL or being on an Olympic team is to be a crackerjack philosopher in Corinth. So, you know, prophetic powers, unveiling mysteries were the work of philosophers. And so the Holy Spirit is saying, if you have all those gifts, but you don't have love, it doesn't mean much to me. The greatest in my kingdom is the one who serves the most. The greatest, the one who impresses me is the one who knows how to imitate me in being a good foot washer. So the Holy Spirit continues through St. Paul. If I give all, if I give away all I have, and if I deliver my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous. Love or boastful. It is not arrogant or rude. Love does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrong, but rejoices at the, in the right. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. Love never ends. And then, he, then lastly, in other sections as well, so faith, hope, love, abide, these three, but the, most, but the greatest of these is love. So that's, that's her specialty. We have to finish. I say that because I don't want you to panic. Um, we want to give her a gift. That's another meditation. And her parting words is do whatever he tells us. And he wants us, what, is, what does he want us to do? Well, he wants us to do this. He wants us to love as he is loved. And going back to her as a Tahoe, as, as, a, as a shortcut, you say anything you want to Mary. Mary, I want to give you a gift. 
I want to love your son and others, whether I'm attracted or not, whether they're my type or not. I want to love everyone with the heart of your son. And we can tell, I got my weaknesses. Or if you prefer a more trendy word, I got my issues. All right. Um, and Mary says, well, just, just come to me. I, I'll take care of you. I'm, I want to remind you of who I am. And we could finish with this, these praises to Mary, replicating these thoughts of St. Josemaria, and we finish our prayer. How men and women like to be reminded of their relationship with distinguished figures in literature, in politics, in the armed forces, in the church. Sing to Mary Immaculate, reminding her, Hail Mary, daughter of God the Father. Hail Mary, mother of God the Son. Hail Mary, spouse of God the Holy Spirit. Greater than you, no one but God. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help in putting them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for Holy Mary, hope handmade of the Lord. Yes.